Happy hump day, everybody. What's going on? Blaine and Mickey, it's the Wednesday edition. We've got a big show for you coming up. Uh, John Bryce is going to join us. Uh, by the way, if you're a college football coach and you're not fired, congratulations. Because holy crap, there's a lot of people who are already out of a job in that business. Hey. I don't remember it ever being like this. Not, not people losing their job, and I'm sorry to say that. But every school is like, let's just go ahead and do it now so we can get a jump on everybody. Well, there's not even any jump anymore because everybody is just, sorry, dude, you got to go. They did it to Gary Patterson. Sorry, man. I know you got a statue out here. You got to go. Well, at some point, once you get hired, you know you're getting fired. Well, well as did, a coach, it's all about production What now. have you done for me lately? Yeah, right? yeah. Well, now, last you, you season. Know, go a couple years, and then after that, I go, well, you're not getting it. Last season was supposed to be the year that nobody got fired, right? Because everybody because was in, under you're financial duress. It's a bad look. More <laughs> coaches got fired than I can remember in 2020. Yeah, yeah that, that's why I want you guys to have your own opinions and not believe what all the national people write. They will fire you if they don't think it's acceptable. Sorry, that's the way it works. That's the industry. It's well, never going to change, ever. I think the thought was because everybody was crying poor and laying people off. It's how in the world could they buy off coaches? Guess what? They just laid people off and everything else and still and fired the coach. And, by the way, let's look at the flip side. Gave people extensions during the time. Yeah. That was like, whoa. Yeah. Dang, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, look good from the outside. Oh, we don't care. Well, Tennessee avoided a buyout. Is there anything new? Have you heard anything at all about? Well, he shouldn't have got an extension, so maybe the buyout shouldn't even have been a part of the process. No, the answer is no. I said at that time. Well, Blaine Bishop, who's I, 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 I could not be an AD. I I would get. I am this show's athletic director. I would get fired. Blaine (laughs) has many titles on the show, but I am the athletic director, at least the associate AD on this show, to match what I did in real life. Lucas is our linguist. So you said I'm a a phony phony AD. Lucas also is our hard drive. Meaning we store memories on him. We ask him what happened, Lucas. We don't remember that day. Lucas tells us. Guy, you know. You are the director of content. You're director of abductus lungus operations. You're our groin expert. There are several things oh, that you, uh, you know, a uh, finger, form, anything like that. You are show knee, physician. Me, I am the athletic director because Blaine can't be one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Everybody gets extension. He's like, why would they extend that guy? I'm like, I'm the one two national championship. We get fired at any time. Yeah. Then we're not safe. Well, here's my thing: is it's like, well, if they have three years on the deal, why are you giving them extension? Where are they going? Did somebody? Are they? Is somebody bidding on them? Who sold you that bull of goods? I mean, man, are you kidding me? Uh, Jimmy Sexton, he's gotten so many extensions for his clients. I can't even. I'm like, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then the Pearl one was the one I was like, uh-uh. uh, uh, somebody messed up, Palmer. You messed up that one. But I wanted to show that I made a good choice in extending because yeah. I made that choice. Yeah, that that was not a good choice at that time, as I said then. <laughs> uh, but you know, they they have that kind of leverage. It's just amazing. Like if somebody sneezes on them and said, hey, man, uh, somebody uh, called my agent. I mean, uh, I, the king of it is James Franklin. He's the best. He's the best at getting an extension. So. You know he's going to get one. He's going to get five extensions this year because everybody needs a coach. Like, and man. these are legit jobs. USC, LSU. I mean, these are legit jobs that are open. Like historically, hysterically historical jobs. ADs and the presidents, man, they act like they have monopoly money, man. It's just like, eh, eh, not time to go. One of our donors don't like what they're doing. (laughs) You know what's crazy, though? Just think about this. Uh, I'm a man at LSU. uh, (laughs) Or Zeron. Yeah. He's fired two years after he won a national title. He didn't even get any grace, period. Like Like Chiswick and Auburn. National title, you get some grace, right? Don't you? You would think, ah. 
You know, not not an SEC for sure. You get one year of pad is what you get. You get so if the next year's yeah. bad, if the second year, so you get you get the next year no matter what because Orgeron got that this year. As soon as the boats start taking on water, you got to go by. You can stick around, coach, the rest of this year, yeah. which he did, which is amazing. That's I'll stick around. Title. That's really hard to do. Win. That's tough. You said monopoly money, though. Yeah. It's monopoly money. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not that's at Ball it. State, Arkansas State, oh, Tennessee no. Tech. It's it's not at those Austin P. But you get to the Power Five, Power Five, it's Monopoly money. Right. Well, my big thing is, okay, if you're in a Power Five, let's just say SEC, where else are you going to go? This is the best conference in America. Where are right. you going as far as pay, competition, recruiting, resources? Sure. Oh, so you're going to go leave me to go to LSU? Oh, we talked to LSU. Bye then. Bye. Like Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Right. He's like, he had to shut that down. Right. He had to stop. There's no way he's going to get paid more in Texas. Their money is all over the place. Texas A&M. Sure. And there's in Texas, too. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, so it's just like, uh, I don't think you want to bark up that tree. Dude. They, they'll give you a little penny pinch raise, 500 grand or something if you want it. But nah, nah you're not going anywhere and get paid more. Well, A.D. Blaine Bishop would not grant extensions. Mm-mm. Hey, man, come see me last well, year. I mean, contract. at certain points. Yeah, sure. Come yeah, see yeah, me last year, your contract, and let's see what's going on. But yeah. not now. You got three years left? No, get out of here. Nah, I'd be having my punch list, especially if – you see the guy that's trying to continually move up the ladder. That's why I said James Franklin was going to leave Vanderbilt. There was no choice. They weren't going to pay him that kind of money. They just weren't. So he had no choice. He was going to leave. And he put their feet to the fire, see if they would. And they didn't. I'm sure he wanted to stay. But nah. even though, you know, Penn, you can't pass up Penn State over, over Vandy. Nothing against Vandy. But, yeah, that just that he had to. He win the national championship at Penn State. Well, if you can get over the hurdle of Michigan, Michigan State, uh, sure. and Ohio State. Yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, there is that. But you could. But, but it would have been easier there than here. That was the point. The fact that that – I wasn't here. I had moved away when that happened. So, I, I was, was – I didn't have time. a – he won nine games two years in a row at yeah, Vanderbilt. He oh, yeah. He, he was gone. You knew it was going to happen. Everybody was in denial. But he, he had no choice. They weren't going to step up to the plate and pay him. Could I mean, you imagine pay him that though, kind of money? That's like being taken to like to the brink of the promised land and looking in, and then just being pulled away from it. If you're a Vandy fan, you, everybody's picking on you, putting you down. Then that guy wins nine games, then wins nine again, and you have to think, "Oh my gosh, this is what it's supposed to feel like." And then he goes to Penn State, yeah. and then here you go again. Oh, it hurt him. It, oh, it hurt him. And and fans, God bless him, because I was at a school that we had five coaches in five years. Fans would be like, "This Malzahn's not going to leave," and I said. I like Gus a lot, but he's going to leave. He's going to get. He, I mean, so oh, well, this, you Harson, should ask him. So Harson's if I, not going to leave. You yes, a million dollars, and somebody offered you four million dollars, would you stay? You know what? That's you know, what you need to ask him. Oh, nope. Yeah. I, this is this is a real thing that happened in life on Earth. This was a real thing that happened when Hugh Freeze got offered the old Miss job. If you remember, there were a couple guys ahead of him in line that got offered a job uh-huh. and didn't take the job. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking. They're going to get to him eventually, and they did, and they called him. Of course, he can't turn it down. There are still people who are mad at him for leaving. To go, and I know all the other stuff. I know. Before you tweet me about it, I know. I know about all the – okay, you don't have to tweet me well, about that it. that was before. That, so he goes to Ole Miss, and I remember somebody telling me how mad they were that he left. And I said, do you know what he made here? He made, I said, do you know what he made here? I'm just asking you. I said he made 210000 this was 2011. I said, you know what his base pay is at Ole Miss? 
it was 2.1 million. It was 10 times more. <laughs> 10 X. It, it was exactly 10. And, and he got a per game win bonus. They won six games his first year. Mm. He got a per game win bonus. If, if my memory serves me right, they won the egg bowl that year. I was at the game mm. and I said, I know you love Arkansas State. Nobody loves it more than me. It's my whole life. That's all I talk about. Let me ask you, whatever you do, if somebody down the street called and said, we'll give you 10 times what you make to come do the same thing here, you're leaving. That, how soon do you, you know, transportation is going to be at my house? <laughs> Supposedly he went to the then AD. It wasn't Terry Mahodger. It was the guy before Mahodger. Supposedly he went to him and said, look, I really like it here. My family likes it here. If I if I would stay, what could you give me? And supposedly he was like, uh, "How's two sixty grab you?" <laughs> <laughs> it was like two fifty or two sixty. He was like, "Go and forward my mail to Oxford because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens, man. Their money's low, man. Oh my goodness, uh, it's the wrong money." Tristan and Brentwood wants to weigh in on all this craziness. Hey, Tristan, what's going on? Thanks for calling, Blade and Mickey. <laughs> I would not be an. Uh, hey, I don't work on. Um, Adam Orgeron is getting fired because uh, he uh, swapped around or hooked up with one of the, like, uh, person that had up, like, the president's wife, or that's what I heard uh, from I'll kick the coverage. Okay. Well, yeah. well that, that could be true, but uh, they take two to tango. I will I say, just say that. It takes two to tango. Let me just say this too, Tristan, and that, that may be 100% true. true. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. You think if he won a national championship again this year, they care who no, he was sleeping fine. with? Nope. 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 Hey, man, here's a voucher for a hotel room. It's exceptions when you win. No different than if a player is a great player, he gets exceptions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't live by that rule. See, I don't like that. But you know, but you know though, that's, that's a dang world that we live in, though. Yeah, I don't like that. Win, if you win, if you're a great player, eh, curfew, smurfew, you know, don't matter. Whatever. You do what you want. Yeah, I don't, I don't live by that rule. Mm-mm. No, because, see, what happens in my, my mindset is the top of the food chain, whoever it is, coach, player, what have you, AD, if you set the example and you show them what's happened, it trickles down to everybody else and everybody else is staying in line. Yep. That's how, that's how I view it. So, you know, I'm going to give somebody some grace. I mean, we had the late, great McNair. He he was late for the flight, you know, a couple times. And about the third time, I'm going, hey, man, we sitting in this runway for like an hour. It's time to go. Sorry. I think he got enough money to make it there. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I think he can get his own jet to get there. <laughs> so let's go. Nope, we sat there and waited 45 minutes. Yeah. So I think they, they would have waited on, you know, Jason Gesser. Mm-mm. No. They, they probably wouldn't have waited on Blaine Bishop. <laughs> Sorry, Double B. You're going to fly Delta. <laughs> Live by your own rules, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> I would never lay down. <laughs> oh, that's like me now. I, I, I live in a world where I, in my mind, and I know this, is, I, I got no leeway anywhere. I get everywhere early. I don't, I mean, uh, I feel like I'm one bad play away from being on the street. So I live my life like that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I, I live my life <laughs> like the 53rd guy on the roster. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I live that way, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, at one point, eighth-round draft pick, you were trying to be the 53rd guy on the roster, you know? Oh, man, if I really told somebody, like, my my real goal when I got drafted, I mean, yeah, we ought to do this real quick. It's not going to take that long. It's not going to take that long. My goal when I got drafted and I went to camp, I said, like, oh, man, I hope, man, I got, I 
hope I make the practice squad. I said, I need to change a lot of things. I need to stay out of the weight room. Stop that. I'm strong enough. Right. I'm, I'm benching 400-something. I'm squatting Woo. 500. I don't, uh-uh. I'm too stiff. I need to be able to move and change directions. After I left that mini camp, no more weight room. I'm doing a lot of flexibility, track work, agility. I was in the basketball arena. I'm like, I'm going to be the quickest man alive. I'm going to stay in front of somebody. I'm not even going to play offense. <laughs> That's what I was thinking at the time, back right. then. We're talking about 1993. Yeah. Came back, quickest man alive. I said, uh-oh. I'm going to make the roster. Yeah. We get to training camp. I said, I'm going to make the roster now. I, I saw what I needed immediately. Were you able to 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 transform quick enough, though, to get back? Oh, yeah. Mini camps back then was like in May or, you know, you know, you do it right after the draft. Oh, so that's when you got there. Yeah, so so you were like, oh, like, shoot, oh. I'll come back into July. I'll yep. be a new cat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I came back a new cat. Ooh. And I was moving like a cat. Well, I like it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. But most guys probably would have said, back, oh, you know, I'm good enough. Blah, blah, blah. Nah, man, it changed quickly. Then dudes start dropping like flies. I said, "Ooh, I'm making this rush, and I'm having an impact." <laughs> Buddy Ryan pulls you in. It's like, I know you got here as a cornerback. You got to play safety, big dog. I, well, I wasn't happy about that. In the box too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he was he like, "You right down here with these guards." Uh, I, and yeah, stuff. yeah. Lastly, yeah, he pushed me in a 907 drill in my back, <laughs> and, and somebody clipped me in my head. Lyman, put, oh man, I had dirt all up in my face. I looked at him like, "Hey, man." This is not like uh, Rudy at the, the Notre Dame or something. <laughs> and I wanted to, I was like, hey, man, you do that one more time. We're going to have to have some conversations. <laughs> he said, you got it. I think you got it now. Well, I know I better get it because I'm going to get hurt out here. <laughs> I'm going to get hurt out here, man. <sighs> what you talking about? All right. Uh, John Bryce is set to join us next. Let's talk some more college football. We will do that next on Blaney Mickey 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Let's uh, get on the uh, Mark Spain Real Estate hotline here. Check in with our buddy John Bryce. He'll be on with here in just a second. Looks like we got Bryce now. JB, what in the world's going on with you on this beautiful day? Y'all got snow up in South Bend yet? We do, actually. Um, It snowed all weekend, and so we had a uh, snow-covered ground until actually this morning. So um, it it snowed enough to make pretty much everything white for two or three days so um yes you are you are correct and now today it's maybe in the 50s but it's supposed to be back down into the 30s or 20s this weekend do you like that great white north living or do you miss being down here in god's country where we don't see as much of that infernal stuff <laughs> you know um i don't mm. mind the fact that there's a real winter here um i i hate the fact that i feel like we don't get much of a spring or a fall it just sort of gets We've had snow, literally, I think uh, my first year up here, we had like 13 inches of snow on the 23rd of April. So um, we've had snow as late as April and as early as October. Um, So we get a summer and we obviously get a winter, but we don't get much in the way of spring or fall. So uh, Tennessee is God's country and uh, Big Sky country is God's country as well. There you go, John Bryce, uh, South Bend resident, uh, works for Football Scoop, longtime Tennessee guy, uh, living in the state of Tennessee, at John D. Bryce 1 on Twitter. So let's get into this. I know there's a lot of, of coaching changes already, and we were joking about this in the first segment. It's like everybody said, well, let's just go ahead and do it now and get ahead of the curve. Nobody's even ahead of the curve anymore because so many people have already parted company with their coach. 
Yeah, I think it's a dozen already at the uh, football bowl subdivision level, Mickey. And obviously, um, the very first Power Five domino to fall was Southern Cal. You had LSU right after that. Then you had Texas uh, Tech and TCU Mm. both right after that. Now Virginia Tech, Washington, Washington State. So it's not just that um, MAC teams or Conference USA or whatever are already making changes, but the big boys are making changes. And here's the overarching reason why. Well, first of all, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech and Clay Helton at Southern Cal went into this season in must-win situations, and Helton's team stumbled early. Fuente's team uh, was completely inconsistent, especially after opening the season with a win against then number 10 North Carolina. But timing is of the essence. It's never been more important uh, to have your coach hired really by the first weekend of December for two reasons, the early signing period on December 15th, Mm -hmm. but the transfer portal. And so in talking with coaches uh, literally as recently as this morning, um, they've emphasized the fact that people are paying attention, especially coaches are paying attention because programs that are waiting to make their move are putting people so far behind in 2022. So as crazy it is to seem to say uh, with two plus weeks of the regular season left, plus conference championship games and everything else, if you if you think you're going to make a move, you have to make it now or you're already behind. Oh, man, John Bryce, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, you know me, John. I, I want to hear who's on the list. And I don't want to hear the normal candidates that already have SEC jobs for another job. I, I'm not very big on that. But, I mean, like, TCU, USC, where, what direction are they going? Two really good programs. Yeah, they are two really good programs. Look, I think uh, when you look at USC, I believe Luke Fickle has been at the absolute very tip top of their list for a really long time. I think James Franklin has tremendous interest in that job uh, and would like to be further up on Southern Cal's list, just to be honest with you. But I don't think that um, they're at James Franklin right now. I still think it's uh, very strongly Luke Fickle at the top of the list. Obviously, we've seen uh, Dave Aranda names start to circulate there some this week but I talked to a former uh, USC staffer late last night and I just said you understand it you worked out there for quite a while you know the lay of the land what do you make of Dave Aranda and this staffer said to me has he done enough to earn a USC yet and that's a that's a very valid question because until a month ago um, USC fans would have been absolutely livid um, even though they're not particularly vocal um, they would have been absolutely livid if, if Dave Aranda had been the name floated. So um, I still think you could see a Dan Quinn in the mix at Southern Cal. He's one that uh, football people I trust a lot uh, have referenced him to me. He obviously led the Falcons to a Super Bowl berth and a subsequent meltdown, um, but he's got a lot of football bona fides and is extremely gifted from an organizational standpoint. So that's a couple there. I think, um, you know, Lane Kiffin continues to be mentioned at LSU. I believe in that. I think that, um, you know, the Jimbo Fisher chatter has been persistent. Lincoln Riley is certainly another name that's been very persistent with LSU. Um, these are critical hires, especially for those two programs, um, for where they're trying to go and trying to regain their footing because you look at Texas A&M, if, if they keep Jimbo – um, and he's been pretty strong with his comments this week. They may have the number one recruiting class in America, and they're the only team to, to beat Alabama in the regular season uh, this year or last. And so he seems to have things going relatively well there. 
LSU is two years removed from a national championship, but is completely nosedive, and they've got off-the-field issues as well there with the Title IX investigation, among other things. So all of those things are critical components for these programs because there's so much riding on it. What we talked about at the very onset of this visit, the timeline being so expedited um, is really critical. You can't hire a coach in January right now and think that you can have a chance for um, a noticeable uptick of success uh, in fall of 2022 with the way everything is moving. Well, with uh, John Bryce football school, I have to have a question. I really love the way uh, Luke Fickle coaches. He's been in the Midwest his entire career, and I know there's a connection with the AD there at USC uh, and their relationship, I think, when he was at Cincinnati. But how much is it going to take to get a guy like Luke Fickle to go out west? And is it feasible? To, how much are you going to have to pay him to get him to leave, uh, knowing that he's recruited mostly in the Midwest, South, and there have you? Yeah, you know, the thing with Luke Fickle is that I believe he could go anywhere and be successful. I just think that, you know, his home is the Midwest, and that's mm-hmm. what he prefers. But the guy's got NFL ties. He's got the work at Ohio State, which is a national and global brand. He's made Cincinnati a bit of a national brand. Um, I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Cincinnati's not getting invited to the Big 12 if not for the work that Luke Fickle has done in that football program the last four years. And so uh, I think because of that, you know, his Midwestern roots are able to transition nationwide. Uh, he makes a very nice salary at Cincinnati. But here, here's another thought that I would say to consider and that um, I had other college football people um, either reach out and text me or when I asked them about it this week, they agreed. That is, Cincinnati's undefeated. It's 10-0, and and it needs a whole lot of help to get into the college football playoff. Luke Fickle, is, by those people who know him best, is an extreme competitor. And if he feels like he doesn't have a legitimate path to the college football playoffs at Cincinnati, he has to look at a job like USC where not only you're in a Power 5 conference, but you're in a Power 5 conference with probably the highest concentration of Division One talent within a 50-mile radius of anywhere other than maybe Miami or Dallas. So you're in one of the three best talent-rich areas in the country you don't have to really recruit outside of your state, and if you do, you just sort of cherry-pick guys that you want, and there's so much upside with that job, and there's a path. When, when I've talked to coaches, and they've looked at the USC roster and looked what could happen with the transfer portal and look what could happen in recruiting, there are coaches who obviously know a lot more than me that believe USC, with the right hire, could be a playoff participant by 2022 or no later than 2023 if they get the right hire and they get things set in motion. Well, what's going on with Dan Mullen there, uh, John? Uh, we went with John Price uh, with the football scoop uh, with Dan Mullen. Now he's he's now he needs to hire a DC. I mean, who was wants to take the job when the coach is really on the line and losing his job, man? What's going on there? Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of dysfunction there. I talked to some Florida reporters this week who just said it, it's really bad. Um, there's a, a certainly a sense of can Dan Mullen save it? Is it too far gone? It reminds me a little bit of the end of the uh, Derek Dooley era in Knoxville minus the success because Derek didn't have the success that, that Mullen has had early on at Florida. But much like the end of the Ed Orgeron tenure uh, in LSU, Dan Mullen has been terrible since his team peaked at, at number six in the college football playoff rankings around uh, Thanksgiving of 2020. And since then, 
Um, they're a below 500 team. They obviously just gave up a record-setting performance against the Sanford team that um, has its own coach, you know, trying to secure his job and, and push that program in the right direction moving forward. So it's a real disaster in, in Gainesville, and it's probably, after speaking with reporters down there this week, even a little worse than, than maybe some of us thought. Um, there's not a lot of uh, – I think, I think Dan Mullen has the absolute support of his AD, Scott Strickland, uh, but he has to come up with a plan that shows he's not going to only fix his coaching staff, but he's also going to address the, the roster and upgrade it as well. We're with John Brace uh, with Football School. Let's say that this it doesn't happen or they lose, you know, whatever the magic number is to pull the trigger on Mullen. We had this discussion yesterday. Do you think Lane Kiffin is their first call if they have an opening? I think he's certainly a priority call for Florida. Um, I don't think in speaking with people that um, Lane Kiffin would be Scott Strickland's first choice from just a compatibility standpoint for their working relationship. Um, There were people who wondered how Scott Strickland and Lane Kiffin would get along. I would also point to the fact that – depending on how things shake out at Florida. And I think there's a real chance the Gators can lose at Missouri this weekend. Um, Another program in that state may be making a move, and that is certainly the Miami Hurricanes with Manny Diaz. There's a huge outcry there. And I'll tell you guys right now, I would expect two people to be very high on Miami's list, aside from Mario Cristobal, and that is Lane Kiffin and Deion Sanders. Um, Deion Sanders has real support from former Miami Hurricanes players for that job, and I think Deion Sanders would have some interest, and um, Deion Sanders really impressed folks with his interview last week with TCU, even though he had to conduct that Zoom interview from a hospital bed. His name is coming up everywhere, Bryce, and it's funny, when he got hired, um, a lot of people were like, this is a joke, this isn't real, he's not really going to do it. And he's, I mean, he's not only fully committed, but this rascal may wind up at a Power 5, as you're saying, very soon. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I think Dion has reached out and, and counseled with some of the absolute top coaches in, in college football about how to navigate this and how to handle this. And I ultimately think that TCU has their guy, and they'll stick to someone with uh, really, really deep Texas ties. But I think that um, Dion presented a very valid program plan and has a method that he wants to attack from recruiting and staff building and all of those things. And Look, at a place like Miami where the financial resources are not there, you need somebody with the sizzle. And um, certainly Dion has that with his presence, with his his podcast and the um, documentary crew that follows him around and just sort of his persona. And certainly Lane Kiffin is very savvy in that regard as well. And once again, there are certainly detractions about that job. But when we talk to coaches – They all want to win, and Miami, with that talent base right around it and being in an ACC that suddenly doesn't even look like Clemson is the kingpin anymore, there's a real path to national relevance sooner rather than later, and I think coaches are looking at that. It's funny you say that because the average college football fan would think that Miami was just swimming in money and resources, and that was the first thing you talked about was how they don't necessarily have the most resources. I think that's hard for the average college football fan to believe. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a small school. It's a private yeah. school. Um, they've had leadership that has not prioritized athletics. Obviously, they just fired their AD this week, Blake James, so there's uh, uncertainty there at the top. And, um, again, they have not been – 
swimming in money or resources because it hasn't been a priority. They, a lot of times they've won strictly because of coaching and talent yeah. and not because of having the nicest building or the nicest place to play their games or being cutting edge with nutrition or any of those things. Um, they've won because, again, they can almost sign an entire class um, in a 60-mile radius of their campus. Unbelievable. John Bryce just bringing the knowledge and the funk today here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, I had to ask you one more one coaching question. That is Virginia Tech. I know you mentioned them, but who's on their list? Because that's a, that's a really good program, and you just got to find the right guy, the right fit. Yeah, um, I think Billy Napier uh, is very, very high on their list, very tall on their list. Um, I would say Jamie Chadwell is also on that list. Of course, those are a couple of coaches that have found success at at group of five programs who are also both Tennessee natives and have been um, on a steadily ascending coaching star in recent seasons. Um, Napier sustained it at the D1 level, at the FBS level, a little bit longer than Chadwell, but Chadwell's got – playoff experience from his time at Charleston Southern and at the NCAA Division II level. So I think Chadwell and Napier are big-time targets for Virginia Tech. I wouldn't rule out a guy like Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. He's absolutely going to be a head coach. Um, If not quite this cycle, I think it would be the next cycle. Um, But I think it's important to remember that even an Illinois program, I'm told, reached out to him last year about being its head coach. There were a couple of other programs that kicked the tires on, on potentially looking at Marcus Freeman as their head coach a year ago. Um, he's been a Broyles Award semifinalist. Um, he's really polished. He's got the Ohio State pedigree. He's been with Fickle. Now he's been with Brian Kelly. Um, I think he's got a great plan and a great system. And um, depending on what other ACC jobs open up, and, and I don't think Virginia Tech and Miami will be the only two, um, I think you could see Marcus Freeman again mentioned with some other ACC jobs that I believe may be opening in the next uh, week or two. Well, John, this is a name that's interesting because he has a job and it's in the Big Ten, but he's done such a fascinating job. I, I just think his name is going to pop up here, and that even though he's moved the last two years, and that is Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that to maybe LSU? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, look, we, we wrote about this last Friday. Michigan State is trying uh, its best to secure Mel Tucker and, and trying to keep Mel Tucker and get him locked in long term. He's absolutely been a person of interest uh, at LSU. I would not discount um, Mel Tucker with the LSU job at this point in time. LSU obviously pays a lot more. Mel Tucker has a great contract and a great salary at, at Michigan State, um, but what he's done there has truly been historic. First coach in program history to ever win his first two games against Michigan. He's already recruited all over the South in previous stops. He's worked under Nick Saban. He's been at Georgia with Kirby Smart. Um, he was a finalist for the Tennessee job a few years ago when Philip Fulmer instead hired Jeremy Pruitt. He was really the number two fallback guy when you talk to people that were very close to that search. So um, he's a guy that has done phenomenal work. Look at how far Colorado has fallen since he left and he had the competitive in one year. Look at how far Michigan State has come since he arrived. He gets the organizational part of it. He gets the recruiting part of it. And he just has a, a demeanor and a persona about him that I think really makes his guys play hard for him. I guess, lastly, uh, thoughts on the college football uh, <clears throat> playoff rankings, and then uh, when we're going to have this issue with the expansion in the playoffs, are they ever going to bring that back up again? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that the goal now, uh, talking to people that um, have, have met with committee members and met with the, the playoff expansion committee, um, they're looking at trying to have it in place by 2024. They want it to be 12 teams. I think they're not quite 
to the point of having a unanimous vote on 12 teams, and that's what they want it to be. Um, but I would look for that to – if they're going to move it forward, I think it's going to be 2024, and it will be 12 teams. That's their, that's their driving goal. As for the current playoff rankings, I've used one word to describe this college season. I'll continue to use it. It's chaos. Um, it's absolutely chaos in those rankings. It's been chaos on the field. Um, and I'm telling you, like, the rest of the country is queasy about the thought of Alabama finding a way to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game because I'm, those two teams would absolutely be in the playoffs. And then you're talking about just two slots instead of three slots for arguably the deepest field of legitimate teams that could contend they deserve in the playoffs that we've ever seen. So this season is absolutely um, an IV for the expand the playoff crowd. <laughs> yeah, does, or are they going to start cramping? <laughs> uh, John, great stuff, man. Just, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff. I appreciate the knowledge. People need to follow you at John D. Bryce one on Twitter. They need to uh, constantly check football scoop for updates. Cause we are in silly season for coaches already. And you guys are on top of all of it. Thank you, brother. Thanks a lot. The carousel is spinning and always got to give a shout out to a couple of my loyal Nashville friends and, and devoted listeners of your show. My guy V love. And of course my boy Hibbs. So appreciate those guys tuning in. Of course. Great. Always uh, Bryce. Thank you, man. We'll talk again soon. He's he, he mic dropped. Yeah. He gave a shout out. So drop the mic. All right. When we come back, Kyle's player or not Kyle. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's one of the calls too. our listeners. Yeah. Yes. Kyle. Blaine Bishop's player of the week from two weeks ago was exiled, but he's back. Titans making moves. We'll tell you about it next. Oh, that hurt my heart. (laughs) (laughs) King of rock and roll here on Boy and Mickey. Elvis Presley, man, rolling through all of it on here. I like it. Blaine and Mickey hanging out with you on a Wednesday. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Mike Vrabel spoke earlier today. The Titans back at practice, obviously uh, now preparing for the one and eight. Houston Texans, uh, t- uh, the Titans actually making a bunch of roster moves over the last couple of days. One that surprised me was they have not made a roster move towards an outside linebacker. Uh, we're all sort of awaiting word on what's going to happen with Bud Dupree. Uh, nothing yet. There was a report yesterday. It was James Palmer, one of the uh, – Jeremy Fowler, thank you. Uh, uh, appreciate that, Lucas, who essentially tweeted out that it was day-to-day and he was getting more tests done, which um, it was basically a report that nobody knows anything, and here's a report essentially saying, I know nothing other than we all know nothing, which I appreciated the update. But uh, – Garrett Roberson came off injured reserve on Tuesday. And Roberson's an interesting cat, but he's only got three sacks in his career in 12 career games. All those came in 2019. So he's strictly been a death guy for this team. He he came up and played three games at the end of his rookie year and had a sack and a sack and a sack. It was pretty amazing, uh, but uh, has kind of bounced on and off the roster, had some injury issues. But Derek Roberson off IR on Tuesday. Dylan Cole, he makes his play on special teams. He gets signed to the active roster. So all you uh, Dylan Cole fans, he probably got to flex again. He was flexing during the game. Uh, Then they made a bunch of other moves. So today, they signed uh, from the practice squad to the active 
uh, roster, um, Kyle Pecco, who's a defensive Pecco. lineman that's been around. He was around for training camp. A lot of people really liked the job that he did in training camp. They signed to the practice squad, Amani Bledsoe, defensive lineman, and one Bobby Hart. Oh, he still lives, Bobby Hart. Yes, I, I have a soft side for him. So <laughs> here's the thing about – so did they just tell him – because surely that guy – since I don't know. since his situation is fluid, he's got to be living in like some kind of team hotel or something. Where they just like, hey man, we're gonna cut you. We just go to your room and wait by the phone. We're gonna. Well, I, I don't think they say you know we're gonna bring you back. They say there's a possibility. Right. You got to leave a window. You know, got a coach lingo that way in case you don't bring him back. You didn't tell him. Right. You didn't tell him. So I'm, I'm sure he's probably staying in the place he was staying before. I don't know. They got all kind of new uh, apartments, hotels, and everything else over there by the facility now. So. I would probably have an agreement over there where those guys can get out of their leases after, you know, a month if they get released or what have you. So uh, hopefully he was just staying there, staying in shape, and uh, they can pull him back up just in case they need him for a third stringer because that's really what he is. Sure. That's why I said when you say you're looking at Hart and you say, oh, he played horrible, well, he's not even supposed to be on the roster. So considering that, I mean, he did a he did a decent job. He went from not on a roster to starting. Po- well, I would have pooped on myself. Sure. Oh, Aaron Donald. Oh, oh, my. I would have been shivering. <laughs> I would have been shivering. I was already shivering my first first time I lined up man-to-man on Jerry Rice. I was shaking. I was like, oh, my God. They, and then I looked at the quarterback. He was like, oh, yeah, we're going right at you. Ooh. I was like, uh-oh. You nervous? Then, yeah, yeah, I was so nervous. I, uh, yeah, I almost uh, was squirting. <laughs> Oop. That would have been Steve Young? Yes, it yeah. was. And Jerry Rice. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but I just made sure I'm, I'm going to use my – my lateral quickness, I'm going to make sure he didn't get off this line, and I'm going to hold as much as I can, and hopefully it goes somewhere else. Did he know every trick in the book? Who, Jerry Rice? Yes. I mean, um, he was just such an exceptional route runner. It's not like I was going against him all the time, but yeah. uh, that was really a stick. And then he was, you know, that's why I always talk about the the clock and then game speed. You know, they said he only ran a 4-5. That was an absolute lie. He he must have run a 4-5 with equipment on because he ran different. That's why I Nobody was coming with the him. jokes about – you should run with your equipment on at at the combine. Sure. Because that's, that's really real. your two tests of what, how fast a guy is. Because some guys just can run faster when somebody's chasing them than, oh, I got to run against a clock. Amen. And they get tight and they force and, you know, it's not fluid. It's not natural yep. for them. So some, some guys are just that way. I was one of those guys that way. So, yeah, I just think uh, he was a really polished route runner, very driven, and, uh, you know, he's the greatest of all time. I mean, there was nothing that he couldn't do. Run after catch was, woof. I just remember, though, even as a kid and, and not even understanding football speed or some of those things when he came in the league. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I just remember watching 49ers games. They're a popular team, so you get their yeah, games. And I just remember thinking, nobody ever catches him. Why do they keep saying he's slow? I don't know. Remember, nobody ever – no one caught him. There's video after video of him just running down the field with no one catching him. Yeah. And I remember thinking, who are the people that says he's slow and why do they keep saying that? You know why they keep – because they keep going back to the time he timed at the combine. Yeah. It, just, it, was, it was like 4-6 and change And they will live by that. I mean, it's like it's the Bible or something. It's crazy. I mean, they used to come in our scouting report and they give us a scouting report from you know, our scouting department and say, Jimmy Smith only runs a 4-5. I said, man, it's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I do my own scouting, man. This guy's fast. I've been out there running with him. Yeah, I run a four five. He is not a four five. <laughs> Sorry, and I know. By the way, Denard Walker over there, he runs a four four. I know he was on the uh, LSU's track team. I know exactly what he run, and he ran and 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 took a step on him. Yeah. So no, he he nowhere near no four five. He might have ran that at the combine or whatever test they did. Yeah, right. But uh, uh. The underwear and, then, and it's not just 
we played against them. You go watch the tape, and it's over and over and over again against different players. And you go, well, I know that guy is fast. Nope. I'm like, dang, does he have to run by Daryl Green and then y'all believe him? I mean, really? <laughs> Come on, man. Crazy thing, you said this about Daryl Green before, like, he, he like he slowed down to four four. Yeah, he slowed know. down. He to slowed four, down to four yeah, four. I think he was thirty eight, thirty nine, four two, four three when he first got in the league. Nobody really knew how fast he was. <sighs> Who did he walk down on TV on Monday night when we were kids? Uh, might have been it. Might have been Herschel Walker, Marcus Allen, or Tony Dorsett. He walked down Tony Dorsett. That's who it was because they were Dallas Redskins. Yep, at that time, mm-hmm. which was as big as it got in those days. Yep. Yeah, that was the biggest, and Tony Dorsett was considered one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Yeah, and 99, as they said on Monday Night Football, 99 yards and a half. Yeah. Yeah, but he was mm-hmm. So, yeah, they got some guys. Keep rotating. They're going to break the record for most uh, players on the roster. Eight, eight. You know, two away from tying it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they're gonna, he's going to get it. Seven games left. There's seven games left in this season. Jeez. Seven games still. Still. Including this one against the Texans. All right. And, and please do not assume that the Titans are going to win this game. Tyrod Taylor, man, he's a solid player. He's a solid quarterback. He can give you issues if he starts running around, too, by the way. I think, Lucas, do we – I think we got – Let's when we come back, let's do this. Mike Vrabel talking about Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I can share some rushing stats. That guy can get away from some people fast. You, you cannot uh, discount mm-hmm. what that guy can do to you. Yeah. Made a career out of it. We'll get into that and more – Hour number two of Blaine and Mickey coming up next.